0: Can you hear me? I have something to say. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which is out on Amazon Kindle, print book, and a podcast. Yeah, just search for Mask of the Gods wherever you get your favorite podcasts at, and hopefully it's there. If it's not, then let me know and I'll make sure it gets there because it should be just about everywhere. So today I would like to talk to you about one of my new favorite shows, Shira and the Princesses of Power. Part 2 just came out over the weekend and I watched it right away, but there's been a lot to talk about and so it got pushed back and back and back. But here we are. It's time for us to be able to talk about it and I'm very excited. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I have to say I am Shocked at how short it was compared to the first season, but not in a bad way. This is something that I rather enjoy from the Netflix series. But before we get into it, let me ask if you haven't already, please rate this podcast, either the episode or the podcast in general. If the app that you're listening to me on allows you to do it, it helps me out a lot, tells the algorithm to share me with more people. So, Please, if you can, that would be awesome. So I'll warn you before we get into spoilers, but I just wanted to say a few things at the beginning. Mainly, I am surprised that it was so short. We got 13 episodes in the first season, and in Season 2, we only got 7. But I'm okay with that, because the 7 that we got were really tight, really well-written, and there didn't feel like there were any filler episodes in there. And so if I'm going to get less episodes, but get them more frequently, and get them at this high of this high quality, then yeah. Okay, go ahead and do that. <laughs> That'll make me very happy. But I'm not going to be necessarily talking about them in order, because... There's so many things that I want to talk about and I'm probably going to be flipping back and forth between episodes. All in all, season 1 was really good. Season 2, the show found its footing, it found its voice, and I'm really loving these characters and this world and I can't wait to see where they take it. Okay. So, if you would if you haven't yet watched Shira and the Princesses of Power, Part two, season two, and you don't want to be spoiled for any of the events that happen. Now is the time to pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and we'll talk about it so much when you get back. All right? So let's get started. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. All righty then. Let's do this. So, some of the things that they tackle in this season, which are really interesting, is the uh, the burgeoning relationship between Scorpia and Catra, and I don't think Catra realizes exactly the kind of feels that Scorpia has for her, and that is going to be a problem. It's really going to be a problem going forward, and I'm wondering if it's not eventually going to lead to Scorpia leaving the Horde at some point and joining the Rebellion. And the reason I'm thinking that that is possibly going to happen is Catra's story seems to be really embedded in this idea that she has that she doesn't need anybody else, that she doesn't need anyone in her life, that she doesn't need to rely on people because people will always eventually disappoint her. And a lot of that's based on her relationship with both Shadow Weaver and Adora. And I think what we're going to have to see if Catra is to eventually be redeemed, and I do think that there is a possibility that we will eventually see Katra redeemed. I think we will eventually find out that Katra is a secret, secret princess from Beast Island. I think that that's where we're eventually going to go with this. And in time, she, like Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender, will be brought around to the hero's side. She's eventually going to see that Hordak is trying to destroy the planet and her own petty goals and ambitions will just fall away, and she'll want to not see her homeworld destroyed. Or she's finally going to get so embittered that she's going to be all in on the Horde. I, I really don't see any other path for Katra, But because of that... It makes me feel like for her to be redeemed, for her to have any chance of redemption, we're going to have to see her lose everything. And I mean everything. She's already lost a lot. She's lost the mother figure that she had in um, Shadow Weaver, even though it was horrible and abusive and just utterly cruel. And we saw her lose her best friend. In Adora, and eventually, this is gonna, people are gonna start peeling away. Kyle will probably be and should be the first person to leave the horde of the current group because poor Kyle, they're so mean to him and they don't need to be. He's not, he's just the fall guy. He's the one that they blame all of their problems on. Anytime they do anything wrong, oh, we'll just say it was Kyle's fault. And that's terrible. That's sad, because he's such a nice guy. And I keep thinking about when he and Bo are talking, and he kind of gets a little bit closer to Bo because he doesn't understand that Bo's a prisoner and couldn't leave, and just thinks that he's a good listener. And I think the relationship between Bo and Kyle could be a really fun thing to explore as well. But I think Kyle will be the first of the members of the Horde to defect to the other side. And I th- that will be followed by most of the people in that team. One by one, they're going to peel off until it's just Catra and Scorpia. And then the final straw is going to be Scorpia leaving. Because as much as she loves Catra, at some point, she's going to realize that that for all that Scorpia does to help Ketra and to support her, Ketra is going to have to see what it really feels like to be alone before she's ready to embrace a connection with anyone. And I really mean that. Like I don't even think that Hordak, if he started showing any kind of preference to her, even though he seems to be more interested in Entrapta. I don't even think she would accept Hordak just because she wants his approval, but that's not the same thing as connection. She doesn't want a relationship with him. She just wants him to say that she's doing the right thing, that he's proud of her. The complete lack of any kind of parental value can't talk today any kind of parental validation is the heart and soul of everything that Catra wants and needs and that is just doubled down on in this sequence of episodes. We see Katra really really trying to find a place to fit in and to prove herself to Hordak to the horde. And in just a painful episode, even to Shadow Weaver. And I'm really curious what's going to happen with Shadow Weaver. Because with her escaping and getting away and knowing that she was once Light Spinner and getting this wonderful dive into her backstory as Light Spinner and how she fell to the dark side, how she ended up becoming part of the Horde ...because she felt betrayed by the Alliance. I'm really wondering if she's going to become a third faction working on Etheria... ...or if she's somehow going to try to find a way to weasel into the Rebellion. And I phrase it that way just because I don't think that she has gotten to a point where she sincerely wants the Rebellion to win... She started there, and I'm assuming in the way that the episode was done, the flashbacks were her kind of thinking about how she ended up in the cell, how she ended up with the horde. But I don't think she's back to that light bringer who was, you know, that light, sp- light spinner who was willing to sacrifice everything including one of her own students, to be able to defeat the Horde. Because she's always had that dark streak in her, and whatever she does next, I'm pretty sure her motives are going to be much more about revenge than they are going to be about helping people or getting back to who she truly is. Though I have to say, I really, really want them to redeem her in the end. I would love to see her arc, especially as we've got it, from being, you know, the heroic and wise light spinner to the dark and twisted shadow weaver and have her come back around. I think that would be a beautiful story if done well. And this show has demonstrated to me that it knows how to tell story. So yeah. Um, Before I get on to some of the other things that I want to talk about, just a little thing. As soon as Hordak started talking about his portal machine, am I the only one who sat back and went, Ooh, we're going to get a He-Man. Because that was the first thing I thought about, that he is going to get over to Eternia. Because one of the things that we've learned in this season is that Etheria doesn't see stars so apparently Aetheria has either been shoved into its own pocket dimension or it's always been in one. But I don't feel I feel like whatever Mara did back at the beginning of this whole cycle, Mara did something that pushed Aetheria out of its own dimension and into a, this little pocket where it's cut off from the rest of the universe. This is why Hordak wants a puzzle, and that maybe we'll find out that Mara wasn't as crazy as everybody thought, that her actions seemed disturbed, and possibly she had gone a little mad, but what she really saw was if Hordak wasn't stopped, he would eventually take over everywhere, that he would take over the universe, that the Horde would spread like a plague through the stars. And so maybe what Mara did was to cut Etheria off from the rest of the universe so that Hordak would be trapped. Maybe? It feels right. It feels like that might be the eventual answer that we get to. And especially now that we have um, Allura making everything right again, fixing the things that Mara broke, the possibility that they're eventually going to see stars again, that they're going to get out of whatever pocket dimension that Etheria is currently trapped in, those, those chances keep going up. And eventually I think that's going to give us He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I really want to see this creative team spawn that because i think that would be a, an amazing show in and of itself but i i think we're going to get to see exactly how powerful hordak is and that's when hordak is actually going to become much more of a chief threat because right now the threat is catra because hordak is distracted and remember skeletor was originally part of the horde he was Keldar. He was the brother to Prince Adam's father. He's Prince Adam's uncle in the original series. And he betrayed Randar and the kingdom of Eternia to help Hordak and the Horde and was actually a big part of the plan of how um, Allura was captured and brought to Etheria in the first place. So I think it would be really neat if they play kind of a twist on this. And unlike in The Secret of the Sword, where He-Man had to teach Alora how to be She-Ra, we actually get the reverse of that. And She-Ra has to teach He-Man how to be He-Man. That could be a really nifty play on things. That feels familiar, but does a completely different story. Speaking of feeling familiar, but telling a completely different story. Okay, when they're all sitting around and telling their versions of how they're going to attack the fortress to get the pass back. And Bo basically recreates everything to be OG Shira, I couldn't stop laughing. Because a lot of kids watching the show probably had no idea what was going on there and just thought the show got really weird and that Bo had gone crazy or something. But for somebody like me who was a kid when the original Shira was out and who loved the original Shira, getting to see the new characters in the <laughs> OG style of the original Shira from costumes to even Catra being able to change into a cat and talking with all of the horrible perfect, like I can't even do it. I mean, just it was so funny, and a wonderful nod to the fact that a lot of us OG fans are watching the show, and enjoying it without having to completely break the magic of the series and do something wonky to give us that kind of you know. I mean, let's be honest, it was complete and total fan service. But I love the idea that in Bo's head, they're in the original series. And there's a part of me, just the part, that's kind of got a fan theory going on, a little bit of headcanon, that the original Shira series was just happening inside his head. The one big problem with that is that you know, OG, uh, OG Bo was a white dude, but eh, we can make it work. The one thing that they haven't given us yet, because they've given us so many of the characters from the original series, we still haven't seen a version of Cowl. And I, I want that. And this kind of reminded me that of all the characters that are missing, and even, if, even the characters that they're downplaying and not doing as much with, because let's be honest, they're really playing up Mermista and Frosta and the others, which I'm totally fine with. That That's. I love Mermista so much. If I. If I thought that I could get away with it and not just be read for filth at a con, I would totally, totally cosplay Mermista. I, I love Mermista. But. I would not look good in that seafoam green at all. Like, I, I, oh, it, would, it, it would be terrible. But, you know, I, I miss Cowell. Cowell was such a weird character in the original series. And even if they don't bring him in as a character, if we at least saw some, of cre- some creatures in the Whispering Woods that looked like him, just as an homage that Cowell existed... That would be cool. I would really like that. But I know they're not listening to me, and they're not looking to me for advice, but watching Bo have that kind of alternate universe story where everybody was much more their alternate, you know, original OG self, it it made me miss Cowl, and I don't know. I'm a weird softy when it comes to things like that, and I, I, I just think it would be nice. So... That, that can be the next fan service thing that they do. They can give me a cowl. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay, so what else happened? Man, there's so much I want to talk about with Lightbringer, but I just don't have the words. Beca- Lightbringer, see, I'm, I'm doing this. Shadowweaver. Shadowweaver's story from what we got last season and what we got this season has been such a powerful background story. And... It makes me wonder, one, what happened to some of the students that she trained, and will we get to meet any of them in future episodes? That would be really nifty to see what happened with them, or to see Shadow Weaver maybe reach out to some of them and them be the ones that try to bring her back to her old light, spring, light, light spinner self. That'd be kind of nifty, especially if she hunts down the boy that she almost sacrificed that she had tricked into learning how to sacrifice because he nat- naturally had more magical power than her. And that that was the character that ended up helping to redeem Shadow Weaver. That would be... That would be so powerful. I would really like that. I don't know. I There's so much that they can do with her character that would be so interesting. And... I, I'm I'm still on the fence about how I feel about Entrapta. I like that Bo and the other princesses now, because I always feel like calling Bo a princess, but I think some people might think that I'm being rude by doing that. But I think everybody should be a princess if they want to be a princess, even Bo. But uh, when they found out that Entrapta hadn't died, watching them try to save her, and then realizing that she is just kind of this, you know, neutral, chaotic, neutral character. She's not really a good guy. She's not really a villain. She just wants to do her tech, and as long as she gets to do her tech, she's okay. She's fine with whatever happens. I don't know if that's going to be true if Hordak is trying to destroy Etheria. I, I... Right now, because she's allowed to do her research, she's okay with working for the Horde. But at some point, Hordak is going to put the brakes on her, because she has—she, of all of the characters that we've met so far, other than Shira, probably has the best chance of being a real threat to him. So at some point he's going to stab her in the back, and hopefully not literally, because I like Entrapta. But at some point, it's you know it's going to come down to them trying to you know having kind of a battle of wills over how the tech goes forward, and Hordak will probably win that, and that will be mm-hmm. when. Intrapta comes back to the other side and that will probably be if the arc that I'm wanting to have happen happens before Scorpia leaves. But now that Intrapta's out of the way, Katra thinks that she can finally be Hordak's favorite kind of a thing and that's what causes her to in- eventually alienate um Scorpia. I don't know. Maybe. And i they need to figure out what they're going to do with Light Hope. Because, okay, she's there to teach She-Ra how to be She-Ra. All right. In some ways, she's kind of a stand-in for the sorceress, because they haven't introduced anyone from Eternia yet. So they don't have a sorceress. And, well... After the comms tower got repaired, she should be a lot more powerful and sure of herself and capable. So it'll be interesting to see in season three exactly how Lightbring- Lightbringer, I'm still talking about that, how Light Hope ends up changing and growing from that experience and possibly then has memories as to why Mara went crazy. And not just that she did. Because I think there's so much more to Mara's story than a cautionary tale for, Al- for for Adora. Who I've been calling Allura this entire episode, haven't I? What in the world is wrong with me? Ah, I'm just gonna leave it. Sorry, I had weird mental things. Um, But yeah, I, I I'm curious to see what they do with Light Hope. I'm really... Okay, we can't go this entire episode and not talk about Bo's dads. Um, Because, one, they're so cute, and I love them, and they're wonderful, and hopefully they get more episodes and become a part of the Rebel Alliance, because everybody needs a smart librarian couple to just make the world all better. And, yeah, the... (laughs) The rebels really need somebody who knows the history of the world and that can make the world a better place and how to restore things. And yeah, they're, they're really, I love them. I love them so much. I really do. And that was such a good and smart coming out episode because one, it wasn't about sexuality. It was about him actually being a rebel, but it played out like, a coming out episode. And it's one of those things that I've always said that everybody has something that they have to come out about at some point in their life. And it's not always a gender thing or a sexuality thing. You know, I feel like I come out every time I tell somebody I'm a writer because people don't react well to that very often I found. But that's a topic that I've actually done on the show before. <laughs> um But yeah, watching him have to come out to his dads and have it not be about, you know, having it be about something that really meant a lot to him and who he was as a person without having to it to be specifically about sexuality or gender. I think it was a smart way to do it. It was beautiful story. And I love his dads so much, so much. Now, before we leave, we have to mention that message that they found about Mara and, what was it, Sirenia? And just the fact that we know nothing about it, and that's going to be the setup for next season. I I have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea where they're going. And I want to, but it just... They're doing such a good job for leaving people like me on the fence because you can see where they're drawing from the original lore of the series to build their world. But they're really making those elements their own as they're bringing them in. So I don't know where they're going with any of it. And I love that feeling as a writer because, you know, when you study plot. And work on it as much as people like me do. It becomes really problematic to try to watch and enjoy a show because often it's so easy to see where it's going. And you find, at least I find, that shows often upset you because they did exactly what you thought they were going to do. And you want to be surprised. Even when other people are surprised, you want to be surprised too. You can't just live vicariously through your husband (laughs) Though I do way too much. So I don't know where they're going to go with season two. I mean, uh, Hordak is working on his on his thing. His portals. Shadow Weaver has escaped. Catra is losing her mind. And we have that mysterious message about a place that they know nothing about. But of course they will because Bo's parents are going to explain it to them during the break and that's going to probably be part of the first episode of the next season. Anywho, I love She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. I hope you do too. If you haven't checked this show out yet, it's it's silly, it's funny, it's everything you want a good escapist show to be. So definitely check it out. It's, it, it's so much fun. Anywho... If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't rated it already, please do so. Helps me out a lot. If you've got a dollar you can throw my way, in the show notes, you'll see a link that says community support. You can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money helps me out immensely, helps me do everything that I do, and thank you to everyone who does that. If you don't have any money or don't feel like giving right now, please consider sharing the podcast with people that you know that you think might like it. That helps me out immensely as well. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm CE Dorset on Twitter. That's probably the easiest place to get with get in touch with me. You could always download the Anchor app, follow Project Shadow, and then send me a voice message. That would be awesome. Make this more our podcast. Or you can go to Projectshadow.com and find links to all my social media there. I'm actually trying to do a lot more on Instagram. So I'm CE Dorset on Instagram, so follow me over there. Say hey. That'd be awesome. I think that's about it. I'm really enjoying doing this. I'm glad to be writing again. I I hope you're enjoying everything, including and most especially your own life. So until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.